Welcome back to Freedom Speak with Becca Marie. You're listening to Hour 3, and this is going to be continue to be a packed, packed show, so don't go anywhere or you're going to miss some good stuff. We're going to continue talking about the Twitter files, and then I want to go into the lies uh, that the Democrats keep pushing about January 6th. By the way, you're listening to Freedom Speak with Becca Marie, and we are on Conservative Talk ABQ, KDAZ, 96.9 FM AM 700, and listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. So we were talking about uh, the third installment of the Twitter files, and the one thing that's important about this third is that this is when they're starting to censor Trump. They're bouncing him, which means that they're putting him on timeout. And and we're talking about they are putting the president of the United States on timeout because they believe that what the president of the United States has to say is not important for us to hear. That's exactly their attitude. Right, and and I think the, the implication there is so huge that maybe it gets lost on, on all of us because so much has gone on, but um, if they can do that to the sitting president, Amen. they can do that to anyone else. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And like I said, these people had a, had a God complex. Well, I think, um, so So the reporter, the very brave reporter, Matt Taibbi, who released the files, uh, I think that Elon had uh, turned them over to, so that Twitter was actually act, acting as a high-speed Supreme Court of moderation, mm-hmm. um, you know, with this God complex. They are the arbiters, and, and this is the attitude of the left in general, right? You see this all the time, is that they are the arbiters of what is and what is not. What is fact, what is not. They are the And they declare it, right, they're the authorities, yes. the arbiters. Mm-hmm. And whatever they declare, declare is or is not true, and and I try to teach um, conservatives in in you know my advoca- in advocacy uh, that and this is just this is just practically speaking, and I think it's a Socratic part of the Socratic method. But you should never accept a false premise, and a lot of the things that they just declare are based upon a false premise. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then we're seeing this play out almost um, uh, like a playbook with the release of the Twitter files where, um, and again, Taibbi goes on to say how important this this revelation is. It's historic. Uh, and, and again, this guy, if you do your research on Matt Taibbi, he's not a conservative by any means. Um, he is is a journalist. So, but he says that a lot of the research that they were compiling and sort of trying to change the goalposts and, and go after Trump, uh, Trump's uh, profile um, because again he had millions of followers he had what, what was 80, his following 80 million, 80 80, million like 80 a little over followers 80, yes 80 so million. so so the so the power that he had within that platform to to you know to speak it was his message way of communicating exactly i mean we all i i actually i mean i wasn't offended i'm not a, someone that's easily offended no okay? me neither and i actually thought a lot of his <laughs> tweets were, were kind of humorous. i loved them some of them were great I right we all I, lived I, I think, like we lived to hear what he was gonna say i think trump is funny i love his <laughs> sense of humor he's hilarious right right so 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 the, the, the what taibi is saying though about the process of the moderation that it was like a lot of it was based on speculative sort of gut quoting him guesses gut calls even google searches in cases involving the the president of the united states yeah so you had these events of january 6 going on which um we're going to really dive into this january 6 thing uh, a lot too in this segment but all of this stuff is going on and 
the the narrative that the left keeps pushing is that Trump was trying to incite violence. Now, the one thing that they try to continually ignore, and as a matter of fact, they deny it exists, and Twitter was actually censoring Trump and preventing people from seeing this very important message. This is a tweet that Donald Trump did, okay, while this stuff was going on, on January 6th, and I'm showing this. So so let's set this up a little bit, though. Yeah. So leading up, so in, in, so in, in 2020 and leading up to the election, right, mm-hmm. they were actively censoring candidate Trump. Yep. Right? Leading up to... You know, then we had the November election and, and suppressing was the Hunter Biden uh, suppressing laptop files, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, requests to su- su- suppress uh, other information. But then we have this breakout of the January 6th in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where Trump had a rally. There was a rally in D.C., right? Mm-hmm. And at, at, I think it caught at the is it was it. Where did they move from one building to another? So I, I don't I'm trying remember. to remember the name of that place he was. It was like where they had this rally, right? Where they had the rally, uh, and then the, and then yes. so there was this call to go move to to Congress to walk there to walk yes. to Congress. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, so so they're having this rally, okay, and and we're going to get into that more too because there's some interesting things about that. But this this violence starts at the Capitol, okay. Trump as put, they're walking, so as, as they're, they're walking, walking from people had already cow, gone there and started Trump violence. Trump spoke at the other location. Yes, yes. And then, they, so then they start right. walking to this Congress, and that's where all the violence started right. to break out. And there out, were people we were already watching. there. You know, it's like um, so. This was all orchestrated. I'm pretty sure. From t- yeah, I was. Well, I was yeah. watching it from yeah. from I think TV or it was online yeah. or something. Yeah, and we're going to dive into that more too. So. Trump, Trump tweeted at he that tweeted, time. He tweets out. He sees things are going bad. Okay. So he tweets out, these are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. And he says, this is in this tweet, go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. He's saying, hey, I, I think that we got screwed here. I think that what what happened was wrong, and but I am telling you, okay, go home, live to fight another day. That's essentially what he's telling people. Uh-huh. Okay, Twitter blocks this tweet multiple times, and not only oh, they, I didn't know that. Oh yes, I did not know that. Yes, not only were they blocking this tweet, but they were also blocking the tweet from being retweeted and even screenshots that other Twitter users, because it's like spreading all over Twitter like wildfire. Well, yeah, when you have 80 million followers, mm-hmm. just for people that aren't on Twitter, I mean, you hit send on a tweet and boom, you have instant, oh yeah, uh, really instant uh, visibility. And then, and then when it gets retweeted, then you have like a viral, you know, it's yeah. like a viral moment. There. So they're not only Potential. blocking Trump on this tweet, but people that took that were smart and took a screenshot of this tweet and were tweeting the screenshot of the tweet, yeah, they, they were blocking them too. Them too. Yes, wow. They, wow, they did wow, not wow, want wow, this wow. message to get out. Of peace, of de-escalation, right. of let's not, you know, and I don't think, I, I don't know of a, a single uh, thinking person or conservative, uh, Republican uh, or otherwise that, that is, is was in support of the violent uh, aspects of however many people. I, I don't know how many or, you know, it was so convoluted what happened that day. But I remember watching it on TV, I think, and, and you know, was certain people that broke in and that were violent. Mm-hmm. But other than that. And there's plenty of it interesting was a, theories was around it, that one, too. What's that? 
about the break-in to the Congress. There's plenty of interesting theories about well, that. Well, I mean, and I think that's why we need to see the full video of what happened mm-hmm. that day because there were, I've seen cuts of the video that where people are being directed to go inside. Yeah. Right. And that, yeah. that's kind of what that was. The that's door was what, open. People that's were let what was in. inciting the violence. Yes. And I've seen the videos opinion. of people walking in, staying within the velvet ropes, just peacefully well, walking and, in, and walking around, the guy taking with a look the horns, around like right? tourists. What, what do they call him? The horned I love that guy. The horned guy. You know, <laughs> crazy. You know, they try Absolutely. to demonize this poor guy and he was just having some fun. You know, he was, you know, and, you know. Well, I mean, it's still illegal to trespass on, 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 on right. federal property. It is a people's house, but the way they did that, but you they know. they were let in. And those handful of people, yeah. you know, yes, there, sh- there should be justice. They should be held to account for the f- for the, f- the full extent of the law, as anyone should be. Yeah. But, but you know, again, how many people actually um, were being, was the violence being incited by what Trump stated versus by the folks that were on the ground encouraging them to go inside yes and and i would like to know the answer to that i would too so you know uh let's see um it says here uh, a few last notes about january 6th uh yoel roth okay the guy we mentioned earlier basically he was the guy that was basically running uh, this censorship operation that they had going on. Uh, Roth at one point looked and found Trump had a slew of duplicate bot applications. So this stuff is spreading all over the place, and they're just they're just they're they're well, blocking it all. And and so he, I think what they're calling um, they actually named Twitter files uh, part three. Uh, the deplatforming of a president. Yeah. And that was the naming of it. And so the the culmination of how they were trying to build this case to essentially completely block and permanently ban, ban Trump. I think that's what we're, we're getting, we're getting up to. Into, get, getting into, into release is that, four. Is yeah, that they were trying to build out a, a, a method to get there with that end, end result in mind had to do with the fact in January 2021 he was permanently suspended um, due to the risk of further incitement mm-hmm. of violence. Mm-hmm. And they left out the context, the one tweet where he was literally trying to de-escalate the violence right. and tell exactly. people to go home. Exactly, <laughs> yes. So so in release four, this is when they, I, I, I'm, I'm reading the beginning of release four, and this is when they start blocking certain words, okay? Like, they're blocking stop the steal, and they're blocking the word kraken. And Joel Roth, he makes a statement saying, the daylight separating Q and the stop the steal stuff now is effectively zero. But see, what is happening is they're blocking this stuff, and it's affecting wide range across Twitter. It's affecting lots and lots of users. Like the word Kraken apparently is not only used in the context that a lot of you might be familiar with, but it actually was it was the name of some company and it started blocking them too. So let's see, he says, uh, he says here, I'm too worried about the risk of de-amplifying counter speech with Stop the Steal. And because this thing is it's affecting a lot of other things. Um, let's see here. Um, but they quickly come up with a solution, de-amplify accounts with Stop the Steal in the name slash profile, since those are not affiliated with counter speech. What's counter speech? Kind of lost that one. I think counter speech, what, when you're just speaking out against something? But see, the thing is, these guys are determining what is, what is true and what is not true. They're, again, like you were saying earlier, Alisa, and, and they're, like, they're talking about 
false claims of voter fraud. Well, how do they know they're false claims of voter fraud? I think there's plenty of evidence that it, in fact, really was voter fraud. I mean, you know, we, we had the 2000 mules in which they did a pretty good investigation. They have tons and tons of video footage showing pe- these people, these mules, stuffing ballot boxes. And they're only scratching the surface. So, so yeah. So, and again, this is part of a, a free, uh, open, um, democratic society that we can ask those questions. We should be able to talk about them. We should be able to examine them. And rather than censor, we should, you know, the the burden of proof is on 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 disproving. Well, and that that's what what's happening is? now. That's exactly what's happening. It's concerning. Even if you don't like it, you know, our friends on the other side, like this is problematic as a principle. It's problematic because it can happen to anyone, not just because, you know, your enemies on the other side and you don't like Trump. You know, can we, can we, can we apply a standard here or is it always going to be this heavy handed uh, double standard mm-hmm. that, that, that 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 now the government is working with the leftist activist media pol- politicians to um, censor and go after the other side, their political enemies. Oh yeah, and they're having this discussion here that says employees struggle with whether to punish users who share screenshots of Trump's deleted J six tweets. We should de-escalation. Bounce. Yes, de-escalation tweets. Yeah, and I remember because again, I'm very active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I might have even retweeted that because yeah. it, it was important right. uh, to de-escalate was. that violence because it, you know, uh, for the s- safety and 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 um, law-abiding citizens that were were there, um, just in support of trying to find a- an answer or some kind of uh, resolution to what they saw were problems with that election. Yeah. Right? I mean So they're having this dilemma here, okay? They're 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 bouncing people. They might have bounced you too. They're bouncing people that are sending out tweets of screenshots of Trump's deleted tweets. And so they get into this discussion here. We should bounce these tweets with a strike given the sc- a screenshot violates the policy. What they they're making these policies up as they go. And it says here they're criticizing Trump, so I'm a bit hesitant with applying a strike to this user. So, okay, here's a user by the name of Fenny, 850 gem, gems for hotel, whatever the heck that means. But this user is an anti-Trumper, okay, and she's taking a screenshot of Trump's tweet, and at the top of it, she's saying, F off, oh my God, even Twitter says it's inciting violence. So they're debating on whether, oh, do we do we bounce this one right, too? Right, because right, this right. is the so Trump hater. Yeah, we get it. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like, it, it, and I think it just illustrates all the problematic um, issues that were going on internally with Twitter. It's kind of le- shining a light on that. And, um, and the other part, the really important part that's come out of all of this, I think, is the fact that, that Twitter was having weekly meetings with the FBI. Yes. And they were discussing many of these issues, uh, you know, under, I think Roth was the head of trust and safety at Twitter. But, uh, and then right later it came out that, that the federal government, um, and I want to say the FBI paid Twitter two to $3 million for access to this, 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 service that they were offering and well, suppressing you know, and censoring and i heard twitter I mean, even had of, employees that were like ex-federal government employees sure yes you know, um, so i think there was all kinds of money changing hands here i think there were it, people embedded in twitter i think there were people outside of twitter that's why it's important for every citizen 
right? I mean, this is this is very concerning. That That's why the House is going to consider this a I, I priority, so. and they're going to so. investigate and, this. And you know, and we were talking about this earlier. Another highlight to this this whole um, issue with Twitter and Elon Musk. So Elon Musk is is an immigrant. He was born in South South uh, Africa. Right, he's African American, um, but he talks a lot about the importance of, of of free and fair speech, of independent thought, and this is why he's taken on this this um, this charge to release this information with with so much threats from the other side mm-hmm. um, that he's exposing what what they were up to, um, and and I think a lot of folks that are legal immigrants of this country understand how unique uh, America's uh, constitutional democratic republic is in terms of the freedoms that I don't think anywhere else in the world you have. And as Americans, we don't value that mm-hmm. yeah. enough. And this is why this is so important. So that thing we talked about earlier where Trump had like a, a special rule for Trump because he was a, a leader of the country. Well, they're in, in this release four, they're talking about, well, we're going to change the policy. So just midstream, right, they're going to change the changing goalposts. That's what yeah. they do. They yeah. change the goalposts. They just make up the rules as they go. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially what happened in release four. And ultimately what happens is after all the bouncing and the rule changes and everything else, ultimately what they did was they canceled Trump's account. Right. Right. <laughs> Him and, his, and all of his 85 80 million, million users, whatever. Which is a gone. powerful tool to challenge the mainstream corporate narratives that we are are being spoon fed on the daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's why it's important, guys. I mean, that's what our I, I know your listeners probably understand that, um, but but it's really important to understand the principles behind these these issues that we're seeing because um, if if we lose the foundation of of the constitution of our freedoms of free speech of freedom of the press of checks and balances um it's really a slippery slope from there mm-hmm. yeah so i want to get into in the rest of this segment i want to get into uh, this continued lying by the democrats about the facts about january 6th they keep repeating these lies over and over and over again and even though the evidence is out there like i said earlier there's a lot of people that have they had their head in the sand they're not listening to anything they're not reading anything they're not looking well, at it they anything don't they the don't time. want to know and they don't have the time yeah. though there's folks that just don't have the time they, they get snippets of the news they get snippets of these sound bites that's why i think the left understands how how to use a soundbite so effectively because the attention span of most Americans anymore is about a three-second soundbite. It should not be right? this hard to find the truth. You know, it shouldn't be this hard. Okay, so so what? What what do you got? Okay, I want to start off with a um, with Tucker Carlson did a really great um, piece on this January six lies thing. So Michelle, let's. Well, it was an insurrection, right? I mean. Oh, right, an insurrection, right. A bloody... It was worse a, a bl- than 9-11. It was worse MAGA than, people. Uh, what, was it worse than 9-11? Is that what they were yeah, claiming? Yeah, worse than 9-11. Worse than Pearl Harbor. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> these people don't know history. Let's go with clip two, Michelle, and we'll just kind of stop and stows, stop and go. An yeah. anniversary. Two years ago today, a Capitol Hill police officer called Michael Byrd shot an unarmed woman in the neck. At the time of that killing, Byrd had a documented history of gross negligence with a firearm. He left a loaded Glock pistol in a public men's room at the Capitol, which for a law enforcement official is a firing offense. But for some reason, Michael Byrd was still in the force that day. The woman he killed was called Ashley Babbitt. Babbitt was a married 14-year veteran of the U.S. military. She ran a pool cleaning company with her husband in San Diego. 
Physically, she was tiny. She was also unarmed. Michael Byrd later admitted he had no indication at all that Babbitt was carrying a weapon. She posed no visible threat. He killed her anyway. Under normal circumstances, Byrd would have been fired immediately and charged with murder, which he clearly committed. But that's not what happened. After doing essentially no investigation into the shooting, Nancy Pelosi's congressional police force declared Byrd a national hero, and the media strongly agreed. Byrd went on television to accept accolades and to complain about racism. He was never punished for killing Ashley Babbitt. He was rewarded for it. Ashley Babbitt's mother, meanwhile, got a very different sort of treatment. Babbitt's mother was arrested today in Washington by the Capitol Police. Her crime? Trying to hold a memorial service for her daughter. Okay, just hold it there for a second. And we'll just talk about what that is. I, I saw that uh, video. There was social media streaming that uh, with Ashley Babbitt's mom. She's she's a feisty old lady. I like her. <laughs> so so Ash is Ashley or Ashel? Ashley. Ashley, Ashley Babbitt. Babbitt. She was uh, yeah. she's uh, was the one that got shot by that Capitol police officer. She was unarmed, and he had absolutely no no reason to shoot her. He shot her in the neck. She died almost instantly. And the thing is is who was the who was the one guy that got his neck uh, stepped on and 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 they raised such a fuss over that and that police officer got absolutely crucified for it what oh why can i not remember that guy's name now george floyd george, george floyd george. exactly okay so that police officer and that's actually in question too because there again you're talking about the footage they didn't release all the footage for that one either because the truth of the matter is it's questionable about whether his knee was actually on his neck or not if you look at the footage from another person's cell phone camera it's not on his neck it's on his shoulder. But from the view that they used, it was on his neck. So anyway, so she gets shot. This guy gets sent off to a luxury hotel where they put him up for like 160 bucks a night. And he gets awarded for something. And he never, ever gets questioned or held accountable for killing this woman for no good reason at all. Hmm. So let's continue. Two years later, it's clear that Ashley Babbitt is, her death is by far the most significant thing that happened at the U.S. Capitol building that day. But at the same time, it is the least talked about event of January 6th. Why is that? Well, because the facts about what actually happened on January 6th disrupt the lies, what they've told you happened on January 6th. And those lies have proven very useful to the Biden administration and to permanent Washington. On the basis of a wholly created myth about what happened that day, the Biden Pentagon conducted an unprecedented political purge of the entire U.S. military. The FBI and various intel agencies increased their control over the American media. And most obviously, the DOJ has been allowed to prosecute and jail hundreds of nonviolent political protesters whose crime was having the wrong opinions. Hold that. Now, that's that's the thing we were talking about, about uh, people being held in the gulags without due process, without their, their right to a speedy trial, without uh, actually being treated decently. They've been living under the worst kinds of conditions and even abused. It's like this violates so many constitutional rights it's just unbelievable and yet whether, nobody's doing anything about it and let's just interject um you know the concept that whether you like their politics or not shouldn't matter shouldn't matter mm -hmm. 
you know, just like I'm always saying on the show, it's like I've got some haters. I got some people. That well, hate and, me. Then, it's like, and then again, yeah, I may not agree with everything that Trump you know? has said. I'm not going to agree with everything that like maybe some of those yeah. folks that are in the prison prison have said. I'm not going to agree with. But but whether you agree with them or not, you, have a you right. know, the abuse of power and yeah. and the. Uh, uh, a denial of constitutional rights and due process is very concerning. Absolutely. Regardless, you it's know. extremely concerning. Okay, continue. Lies about January 6th, which have been re- relentless, have enabled some of the most unscrupulous people in our country to make a mockery of our Bill of Rights and to steal our core freedoms. So they can't talk about Ashley Babbitt. Talking about Ashley Babbitt makes it very clear who the real culprits are and who the real threats to this country continue to be. And they're not the January 6th protesters. So instead, they lie about what happened that day and they do it in the boldest possible ways, without shame and with maximum aggression. Here's Hakeem Jeffries, leader of the Democrats in the House, telling you that five police officers were killed on January 6th, when in fact the real total is zero. We are gathered here to honor their memory and acknowledge with deep gratitude the tremendous bravery of the hundreds of officers who defended us at this citadel of democracy that fateful day. As a result of the events on January 6th, the lives of five heroic officers were lost. Hold that. First of all, we don't live in a democracy. I want to keep reiterating that. We do not live in a democracy. We have democratic systems in place for doing elections, but we do not live in a democracy. We live in a representative republic, first of all. Okay, this guy, that should be uh, number one, the thing that he should understand as an elected representative of the people, but he doesn't even understand that fact. And then he, he, he spouts the lie that they keep lying about, about how five police officers were killed by these bloodthirsty insurrectionist on January 6th. Absolute total lie. Not a single police officer was killed on January 6th. Now, I've got the information here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down for you. Okay, they're going to talk about Brian Sicknick, okay? The lie that they keep pushing for this guy is they keep saying that he was beat to death in the head with a fire extinguisher. Wait, who is he? He was a police, a capital police oh, officer. Okay, okay? and the that. lie that you're trying to push is that protesters beat him to death Beat it, basically beat his head to death with a fire extinguisher, and he died. Okay, That's the lie that they're trying to push. Total lie. He was never beat with a fire extinguisher. He did not die at the January 6th protest. He actually died a day later from a stroke. Probably from the COVID shot. Okay. <laughs> so... So anyway, well, I think um, sorry I to interrupt, but, yeah, but I ahead. think what we're seeing play out in this time and space is that they um, will live and die by the narrative, and if we have to conflate the truth uh, or just outright distort the truth, um, it's it's practically an art form now that we're seeing. Well, it's an old thing. If you repeat the same lie over and oh. over again, then it must be the truth. Mm-hmm. And being as most people are living in fear or they're living with their head in the sand or they're too busy to pay any attention whatever the reason may be is like this is all they're hearing is idiots like this guy standing up at the capitol and making these statements and they, and they keep making these statements over and over again and the people that are speaking out against it are being silenced or bounced or censored or throttled or whatever so you got two more law enforcement officers. You got a Kyle DeFreytag and Gunther Hashida. 
This is an interesting thing. I wonder why nobody's asking questions about this. These guys killed themselves in the following months. Okay, not at the January 6th protest. Okay, months. Months later, they killed themselves. Now, what exactly would lead them to commit suicide? Were they involved in something about January 6th and they were afraid they'd be discovered? I kind of wonder. Why? Nobody's asking that question. Anyway, so nobody died. During, the only person that died was Ashley Babbitt, and there was that other woman that was basically trampled, and then the police came along and beat her to death while she was laying on the ground. And not to mention well, numerous other people injured. That you, you, there are videos out there. People that okay, they shouldn't have been climbing the walls. Okay, but as a police officer, you don't intentionally hurt someone. Okay, you try to restrain them and you don't try to hurt them. But people are trying to climb the wall, and and there are videos of police officers pushing their hands off the wall so that they can fall to the ground thirty feet below. I think there's a lot of questions, and again, I think yeah. those would be answered if they were to release the video of the entire footage uh, that played out that day, which my understanding was not allowed in the January 6th nope, committee, and as well as um, uh, uh, defendants, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and and it's just be transparent. Like I think all American, um, Americans deserve to know, if this was the greatest tragedy hoisted upon our country since 9-11, <laughs> uh, where actually 3,000 Americans died, um, I, you know, I think it's really concerning and dishonest to not expose uh, the events that happened that day on, on all sides. Mm-hmm. Okay, continue. Five heroic officers were lost, he said. It's almost impossible to believe that adults could stand behind him as he said that, because everyone in the picture you just saw knows that is not true. It's not a stilted interpretation of events. It's a flat-out lie. No police officers were killed on January 6th, period. Ashley Babbitt was killed on January 6th. But chances are your grandchildren will not know that, because history will likely record the lie you just heard as true simply because it's been repeated so often. Everyone in authority has said the same thing in unison for two solid years. As our thoroughly dishonest attorney general recently put it, quote, we will never forget the five officers who responded selflessly on January 6th and who have since lost their lives. His boss, Joe Biden, repeated that lie today from the White House. Technically, that's a lawyer thing. A lawyer. Okay, you notice what the lawyer said. Technically, what the lawyer said was probably true. Oh well, they they heroically fought. Okay, well, I mean that's me. It's up to interpretation. And they and they they at some point lost their lives. Yeah, not on January sixth, and not due to anything that happened on January sixth. So technically, conflate. It's called conflating. Conflating the truth. exactly. <laughs> Continue. These people and the people representing those who couldn't be here because they gave their lives for this did is incredibly consequential. And that's not political talk. That's historical fact. That's historical fact, says Joe Biden, as he manufactures history, as he tells lies. They've been doing this, telling these same lies since the very first day, January 6th, 2000. 21, almost like it was a coordinated operation. Remember when they told you that Brian Sicknick, Officer Brian Sicknick, was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher? Officer Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the hours-long attack. They beat 
a Capitol Police officer to death with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the fight. He died at the age of 42 after he was bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher. Hold that. That's now, I've played those collages of like various different news uh, agencies, different networks, different locations, different cities, all saying exactly the same words, which kind of makes you wonder where are they getting their information from because they're all saying exactly the same thing in the exactly same, exact same words. Okay, so somebody produces the lie, and then all of these mindless bunch of terrible excuses for journalists repeat the lie over and over and over again. Continue. Not true. And in the end, thanks to the medical examiner in the District of Columbia, we learned the fact, which is that Brian Sicknick died of a stroke well after the January 6th protests. He was not beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. But that did not stop their lying or even slow them down. Joe Biden just awarded one of this country's highest civilian honors, the Presidential Citizens Medal, to officers working on January 6th. And that would include the officers who opened the doors of the Capitol building to the so-called insurrectionists. The officers who let them inside and then were rewarded for it by the President of the United States. What's going on here, you may wonder? Well, don't ask. You're not allowed to know what's going on here. Nor can you know about the very obvious clandestine role of federal agencies that encouraged the events of January 6th. That happened, but its details have never been explained. A lot has still not been explained from that day, despite a committee that was impaneled for more than a year. For example, you remember the pipe bomber who planted explosives outside the Democratic National Committee? Well, those explosives, it turns out, were under a bench at the same moment that Kamala Harris, who had Secret Service protection with her, who swept the building, was there. So how did the U.S. Secret Service miss a bomb sitting in plain sight during its security sweep? Well, we can't answer that because the FBI still, to this day, refuses to release all the security footage. Why? What's going on here? Almost unique among media outlets, Revolver News asked that question. The pipe bomber even looks at camera to head on, for some reason. It's very frustrating, because we can't see the moment the pipe bomber plants the pipe bomb, but the FBI can. That's because the whole scene should be captured on camera one as well, and much more clearly than camera two. Camera one has a clear shot of both benches, if the FBI released the full tape from camera one, we could see the pipe bomber planting the bomb. So somebody planted bombs outside the headquarters of this country's two main political parties. That would seem to be a big story. And yet no one ever mentions it again, including the FBI. In fact, the Bureau won't disclose any information about the suspect, not his height, weight, shoe size, anything. So if they wanted to catch this person, wouldn't they be telling you all they can about who it is? But they're not. Why aren't they? And what was Kamala Harris doing there? Why did she lie about being there? We can't answer those questions. We should be able to. Nor does anyone in authority want to talk about Ray Epps. Ray Epps, of course, is the man who was caught on tape encouraging the crowd outside the Capitol, both on January 5th and 6th, to commit felonies by rushing inside. Now, what's interesting is that the January 6th committee, under public pressure, did in the end interview Ray Epps. Now, we don't have all of the committee's records about that interview. We should, but we don't. 
But some uh, have been released, and what they tell is a remarkable story. In the testimony that we have, the committee coaches Ray Epps on how to answer questions about his involvement. Quote, I was in the front with a few others. I also orchestrated it. I helped get people there. End quote. Now, Epps admitted that in a text message to a relative on January 6th. He's admitting crimes. He's never been even charged for those crimes. Now, hold that there. Now, here's an interesting thing. There are a lot of people, that suspicious people that were there on that day that were inciting violence. Ray Epps was one of the main people that was inciting violence. And these people have never been in a D.C. gulag. They've never been prosecuted or indicted for anything so, Ray Epps never, never, never served any time in jail. Now, I want to go ahead and go to clip four. This is what Ray Epps was doing, and if you don't tell me, if you tell me if you don't th- wonder why he was also not arrested. Clip four. In fact, tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say we need. We need to go, I'll say it, we need to go in to the Capitol. Let's go! So I'm going to put it out there, I'm probably going to go to jail tomorrow. We need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. Okay, that's good. So that is Ray Epps. Every single one of those clips, those are various different, several times in which he was caught on video inciting violence, saying, go into the Capitol. And then you heard there was a a group on one of those clips in which there was a group of protesters that were there, Trump supporters, that were calling him a Fed. They suspected him of being a Fed. Now, why has Ray Epps not been indicted or spent any time in jail what i mean he was the evidence is clear he was inciting violence as a matter of fact the one time when he was you know yelling stuff he was at the head of a bunch of people while they were pushing over one of the barriers yet he he isn't in trouble for anything how can you explain that one i'm thinking fbi uh working with the FBI. He was there. His purpose was to actually make sure that violence did occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we don't have a lot of time left, and I want to uh, cover this California uh, law. Yeah, we got like 20 minutes left. I want to cover this California law. Um, it's called, uh, the. I printed it out, and I read the entire thing. It wasn't a huge read. Senate Bill number 107, Chapter 810, California. And this thing was uh, apparently authored by a, uh, a, sen- uh, a senator by the name of Mr. Weiner. 
Scott Wiener. Scott Wiener. Yes. Okay. So I want to I want to read this one little passage from it because it says a lot. This bill would prohibit a provider of health care, a health care service plan, or a contractor from releasing medical information related to a person or entity allowing a child to receive gender-affirming health care or gender-affirming mental health care in response to a criminal or civil action, including a foreign subpoena based on another state's law that authorizes a person to bring a civil or criminal action against a person or entity that allows a child to receive gender-affirming health care or gender-affirming mental health care. The bill additionally would prohibit law enforcement agencies from knowingly making or participating in the arrest or extradition of an individual individual pursuant to an out-of-state arrest warrant based on another state's law against providing, receiving, or allowing a child to receive gender-affirming health care or gender-affirming mental health care in this state. I mean, they repeat that over and over and over again. I mean, is it pretty obvious to me, and you could tell me if I have interpreted this wrong, Elisa, you can give me your take on it, but just this one paragraph in this bill, to me, tells me that any person can take a child from another state, bring them to California, and as long as they state that the reason that they took them to California is so that they could receive gender-affirming health care. And for that, that person won't be held up on kidnapping charges. Uh, the child will, will the, the state that they stole them from will have no jurisdiction whatsoever. Any law that applies to any law that is broken by the taking of that child would be not enforced. Do you take it the same way? That's that's my understanding um, <clears throat> that that's what the bill allows for. But what I would say to that is it, I believe that some of this activity is already happening with minors seeking abortions, uh, in particular here in New Mexico, in order to circumvent parental involvement laws in their home state. So New Mexico, um, and you're seeing a lot of activity, for, especially from Texas, since they, you know, the, the, the overturning of Roe v. Wade and, and the Dobbs decision that um, young women, uh, underage girls, minors, and even before that, were coming to New Mexico in order to circumvent their state's parental involvement laws. Because why? New Mexico doesn't have any. We don't have any parental involvement requirement in terms of noti a notification or um, consent f by the parent because ultimately, um, and this is concerning um, across the board for parents, because not only wh wh who's taking who, right now in the state of New Mexico, a coach, a teacher, an adult male can take your daughter to get an abortion without your knowledge. Now, whether or not that's happening across state lines, um, there's nothing preventing it. Well, without your knowledge right? or consent. Pers yeah, yeah, right. Per mm -hmm. So it's nothing stopping it, I, sh I should say. Um, there might be some implications legally there, but still it's happening, uh, continues to happen. And that's really the goal, I think, of a lot of these uh, leftist Marxist organizations that are bent on destroying the nuclear family is to indeed weaken parental involvement and, and parental authority. 
I mean, you're yeah. seeing it even play out with the schools, right? They don't want the parents coming to the school board meetings. They don't want the parents oh, knowing about the know, content of the curriculum. They are not even releasing the content of the curriculum. Like when they were doing the virtual learning, cases. it's like we don't want the parent looking at that screen. We don't want them to know what you're what we're being what you're being indoctrinated into. Yeah. So does this surprise me? No, it doesn't surprise me. Well, the the thing that surprised they've actually made a special law for this. I mean, they've really, really gone mm-hmm. way over the top on this, and it's like. So basically what this is saying is that, let's say, for instance, you live in, oh, let's say you live in Texas, okay? And Texas in which they're strongly against uh, this sort of thing. they got strong laws against it. Let's say a non-custodial parent. Let's say a divorced couple in which a, a, a couple, uh, one parent is truly a horrible parent, and the reason they're not married anymore is because this person's an awful person, they're an abuser, whatever, and the, the divorce happened, and the, the, the one parent has custody of the child. Well, the other parent, which does not have custody of the child, can snatch the kid off the street, take them to California, and once they're across the California line, all they have to do is say, oh, well, I brought them here for gender-affirming health care. Then they can indoctrinate this child. They can mutilate this child. They can destroy their life, help them probably make a decision that they will regret later on in life. And the actual parent that actually has custody has no legal right whatsoever. That's what this is saying. Right. Right. And I, like I said, I'm not surprised. <laughs> it's, it's awful. Uh, I'm not surprised at all, but it, it's, it's alarming. It's concerning for parents, but especially our children. Why the focus on children? Why so much? Why can't we wait until they're 18 to consent? Uh, you know, biologically, their brain, you know, their brain development doesn't stop, I don't think, until the age of 24. Yeah. So they're not able to make, as a child, that's why we have all the child protection laws uh, on the books, is because children are not capable of making an informed decision. No, they're not. Their brains are not developed. The frontal cortex of the brain is not fully developed. And so the parents, of course, are the guardians of their best interest. And now, this is is another step towards uh, um, coming in between the child and and parent. It's a frightening time to be a child. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh right, right. And 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 the targeting of our children. I, I just don't understand it. Like, let's just. What, what can we wait until they're eighteen? Okay, I have a story. I have a story that pertains to this personal yeah, story. It. I was probably the fiercest tomboy. I knew growing up, I was so, I mean, I played tackle football with all the neighborhood boys and my brothers and cousins. Oh my gosh, you should have got gender affirming care. uh, Right? I mean, no, I I dressed (laughs) like a boy when people would ask me why, what do you want to be when you want to grow up, Elisa? And I would say, I want to be a truck driver. I want to be a man. I want to grow a beard. And, and I, the, the, the studies show now that children that have that tendency um, to emulate the parent that they most you know, feel connected to or love or respect. That's what that is, is often an expression of. And I would say for me, it definitely was because I looked up to my dad so much. Right. So I just, I, that was my way in a child's way of, of, of relating to that parent or of trying to emulate what they see in that parent that they, right. And so, so I, I can't even imagine, I cannot imagine had my parents bought into this whole, um, you know, um, phase that I was going through that I, you know, my body would be permanently um, injured, 
permanently scarred and marred for life. You can't reproduce. There's there's now um, individuals that have come out of the transgender uh, as children. Uh, Now they're adults. I think there's a big, big... uh, well-known influencer right now that talks about this and and she went through the surgery yeah, i saw that uh it, she was being interviewed i can't uh, think of her name at the capitol i remember yes i think lauren bobert was there with her and uh, a couple other people yeah i remember that and, uh, and there's she, no turning back there's no, <coughs> no. When they you know up, even when the they, drugs yeah, that no, they're taking the, the, when they wake up out of that nightmare it's too late in a lot no of these things suicidal. these things are permanent you know mm-hmm. you can't just change your mind and decide oh i want to go back to the way well no it doesn't work that way a a lot of people exactly. are being led to believe that exactly. that's the case. No, it doesn't. It's a one-way trip. It's a one-way trip, and it's yeah. permanent. It's permanent. It has permanent implications yeah. on your ability to reproduce, on your ability to, uh, you know, to function really. Mm-hmm. And what's tragic in all of this is why are we targeting children? Why can we just? Why can't we just protect the child's decision? We're till targeting after. children in so many ways, though. In, it, yeah, in and this so many it, ways. it has just taken off like crazy since Biden got elected. Have yes. you noticed that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was little stuff going on before that, but but as soon as Biden became president, all bets were off. All the craziness started. Well, I think when the gay, was it the gay marriage legislation was signed that he invited a transgender, uh, I'm sorry, transgender, yeah, transgender um, drag queen. (laughs) Is the only way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what, yeah, that's. They're mm-hmm. using their terminology, but yeah, to the White House, right? And to celebrate, <laughs> celebrate one of the, um, here, I'm going to have to look it up, but it's basically, you know, in your face kind of a thing. This is what we want to present to children. And it's one thing to do that with adults. But my thing is, you know, keep your hands off the kids. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because adults Let can look be at, kids. adults can see something and just take and it for what it is. Content. But children are highly impressionable and, you know, they're exposing these children to these, to these books that are, that, you know, that are that are giving them these ideas of oh well you can be this or you can be that and and they they had the teachers are all in on this thing too and I don't get it I really don't get it right so Biden invited it was an anti-police non-binary drag queen to the White House <laughs> non-binary dra- uh, drag queen love um, it. yes and uh, you know again for you know consenting adults it's one thing but for children that don't um, have the ability to make the best decisions for their own self-interest it's very concerning and alarming and and again this is another slippery slope situation we're looking at it is and you know not to mention and we talked about this earlier who is going to be responsible for this child if things go bad right so when when there is a a a medical emergency let's say in surgery and that child goes into a coma who is liable for their continued care, who who are they going to call? Who are the doctors? The doctor, and the person that dragged folks, them down there. Who are mm-hmm. they going to contact? Yeah. It's the parent. Mm-hmm. The parent is ultimately going to be hold uh, held holding the bag, of course, for their child. But after the fact that their their role has been circumvented, right? I mean, this is just so uh, nonsensical and and destructive. I think this is terrifying. If you're a parent, it really is. That's why I say it's a sad, sad time to be a child. 
It is. It's frightening for them. I mean, children are, are, oh my gosh, these predators are out there all over the place now. And I look at these educators that are pushing this indoctrination as predators. Well, so again, back to the whole Biden White House, invite, you know, the thing is, is that they're normalizing, you know, drag queens everywhere. Let's invite them to schools. Let's take children to strip clubs and teach them how to dance on a pole. That, that, I think was uh, somewhere in Texas that happened. But the normalization of adult content, and that's what drag queens, you know, perform in in these these drag queen performances. Yeah, it's, that's it's, what it's they're. Adult, it's adult. It's adult stuff. content. Yes, it is. Right. But but and I I pointed this out when this first kind of came out. Um, what if those were just regular strippers? <laughs> you were bringing them around, you know, female right. strippers that were just coming to They'd strip probably say, oh, well, we can't do that. In front of kids, right? It's no yeah. different. It's yeah. adult content. Yeah, it is. It's adult content. You need to let children be children until they can figure things out on their own. I, I just I, I, I just don't get it. And it's like I, I look back at when I was a kid, and it's like I can't even imagine any of this, how I would have felt as a kid if all of this stuff was going on. Well, here, two years ago, remember when they had the little children here at the library and the transvestites came down there? Right, and the they drag queen story looking. hour. They had yeah. these big old horns, five horns and big old giant eyelashes. And the kids were terrified. They were like scared of them. They said, calm down. This is okay. They're going to read to you. And the, the, the mayor was all for it. And p- parents took their children to the library so the drag queens could read to stories to them and whatever. And the children were terrified. They're, Unbelievable. They're so you saw that, like you witnessed mm-hmm. their uh, reaction. Interesting. Yeah, they're terrified. How much time do we have, Michelle? Okay. All right. Just making sure we don't run up against it at the end. Uh, do you have any final words? <laughs> I, I have a feeling you know, you do. I, I think it's interesting times that we're living in. Uh, I think it's it's. Um, important for citizens that are concerned, you know, that we we continue to stick together, that we continue to be a part of of uh, standing up for truth, and especially children. Though I think that's the bigger the bigger issue is that long term, how is this going to impact? Um, current generations and the next generation as a country, uh, we have to start. Uh, <sighs> sounding these red flags because you know the slippery slope again once once we go down this path there's is there any turning back i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't think there is either i think i think they're working on ruining an entire generation is what i think i think that these kids are going to be either emotionally at the very least and in the at the very very worst physically scarred for life over this i think that it's all part of the agenda to reduce the population i think they're hitting us from all sides and, and like i said earlier i i, I look at it kind of like a game of whack-a-mole it's like every week and it's like you know you mm-hmm. saw the number of headlines i had on my show outline this week we didn't even get to all of them but it's like a game of whack-a-mole it's like one thing after the other they just keep and that's the way they do things they throw all the mud against the wall that they possibly can because they're thinking of something will stick and they play the long game. Right. And then I think some, the another point that we forgot to bring up in all of this is that who is profiting? Who is profiting off of the, these, uh, these uh, campaigns? We know that the, uh, the exponential, I want to say exponential or, or near exponential um, growth of these transgender transition 
um, surgical centers that are targeting children has just grown off the charts. Mm -hmm. And again, there's money involved because, and I think I read this somewhere, that, that, that they know same thing with Planned Parenthood. If they get to them young, that they were gonna, they're gonna have a client that's gonna come back for more. And again, with the drugs, uh, the the hormone changing drugs, that's that's a life, right? It's a mm -hmm. lifetime prescription that they know they're going to profit off of. That's what's that's what's concerning as well. Same thing with you know all the transition to to different types of energy. Somebody's profiting from from that as well. So big pharma is involved. Just as well, because mm -hmm. they're the ones prescribing the the medication. It's big pharma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, they just like in the uh, the the Rona scamdemic. Oh, yeah. You know, big pharma is has been making billions of dollars off of, off of manufacturing these clot shots that are that are that are. It's obvious now they're killing people, mm -hmm. and and where that's going to go if anybody will ever be a, a held accountable, I I, I don't know. I know that they're going to keep pushing the narrative because they don't want to be held accountable and they don't ever want to admit that they were wrong. And like you said, Elise, I think it's about the money. They're making tons and tons of money and they don't care who they hurt in the process. They well, don't the, care. The people causing the scare are the ones uh, offering the cure. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You create, you create an emergency and then you figure out a way to, to yeah. solve the yeah. emergency. That's oh, what they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Well, they're creating the crisis so they can, so they can take advantage of the crisis. They've really learned how to do this really well. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, <clears throat> next week, you're going to want to make sure you tune in for next week's show. I'm going to be talking about the, the, the new session in Santa Fe. They're going to be trying really, really hard to come after our guns again. So I think the bill was already introduced. Yeah, it has. I'm Two pretty sure. The I was talking to Stephanie Lord about se that. Yeah. So what I'm going to have next week is I'm going to have a panel of uh, people that we're going to talk about uh, the legislation. I've got a copy of the legislation. I'm planning on reading it between now and then. And I'm going to have Jamie Frazier of the New Mexico Shooters Association. I'm going to have uh, Dale Perkins from Perkins Protection Training. He's one of my uh, advertisers, as you know. And uh, I'm also going to have, uh, and I've had this gentleman on before, I'm going to have a retired judge, judge uh, Charles Barnhart. And so we're going to hit it from all angles. We're going to hit it from the angle of somebody that does firearms training is out there and somebody that's uh, very, very knowledgeable at the legislation with the Shooters Association and also from a legal aspect uh, from the judge. And then I'm going to also open the show next week with a very detailed monologue about the second amendment i'm going to break it down to its smallest little pieces and i'm going and if you don't understand the second amendment after i'm done with the monologue next week i really feel sorry for you because i'm going to make it really easy to understand <laughs> so uh with that said um i want to thank elise for coming on the show today Alisa, thank you for having me, ladies. Sorry, we Elisa. had a wonderful time. Good discussion. I want to plug my advertisers, Perkins Protection Training, High Desert Chiropractic and Wellness, and ABQ Gentle Dentistry. If you own a freedom-friendly business, we would love to have you advertising on this station. You can email me at becca at freedomspeaknm.com. Check out my website, freedomspeaknm.com, where you can listen to replays of all my shows, have access to resources I post there. 
Check out the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple iTunes. Check out my Facebook page. I post a lot of really good stuff on there, stuff I don't even talk about here on the radio, stuff that's really controversial. Look for my Facebook page, Freedom Speak with Becca Marie, and like and follow. Freedom is essential to everyone. Liberty and freedom are rights, not privileges. It's time to stand up and tell those Marxist, socialist, communists that are pushing the woke agenda, hell no, we won't comply. We are the resistance.